And I want to share with you this morning a message around forgiveness. All of you now are probably thinking, picked the wrong morning to turn up. But we're going to get through this. God's going to heal your heart. Some of you have got wounds from 30 years ago that have never, ever healed because you've, you've, you've been taught wrong about what forgiveness is. And I hope by the end of this morning that your heart will be healed because forgiveness is not about the person that hurt you. Forgiveness is about healing your hurt. And uh, so let me just pray for you this morning and then we will get into it. Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. That God, everything that you ask us to do is actually for our benefit. And so this morning, God, I pray that we would all be able to push aside the stuff that maybe has stopped us from forgiving others and realize that actually this is good for me. And so, God, I pray that you would move by your spirit this morning, bring comfort to those that need comforting, healing to those that need healing. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew 6, 9 to 11, it says this, Jesus was asked by his disciples how to pray. And it's a good question for them to ask him. And he said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You notice that Jesus didn't say, forgive us our debts as we hold grudges against others. Forgive us our debts as we don't forgive others. That's not what he is saying here. And it goes on a little bit further. God takes it to a whole nother level. It's quite interesting that when you start reading the New Testament and the way that God intended it to do, so often you hear this whole thing that we're under the new covenant, we're under grace. Grace doesn't drop the standard. Grace always lifts the standard of what God expects of us. And it goes on in this, after he's talked about the Lord's Prayer, there's like this little extra bridge around forgiveness. And he says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then this bit, which is intense, and it's hard to take. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know about you, but if I could go through the Bible and take out the verses I don't like, that would be one. It's intense. It is very sobering to hear Jesus say, if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. That's a, I don't know about you, but that's, that's, that's a struggle for me. I, I'm sure it is for you as well. And you might have come to church this morning feeling really, really good. And now all of a sudden you don't feel too good because you're realizing that, whoa, actually that verse kind of has a direct application to my life because I'm, I'm actually holding a grudge or I'm holding unforgiveness. And, and you're carrying around a grievance against someone who wronged you hurt you, disappointed you, let you down, betrayed you. And what happens when we start talking about on the subject of forgiving others is it creates a huge amount of emotion. And you know what? Rightly so. It should create emotion because some of you 
have been so hurt now or in the past or whatever that you're, you're, you're ringing in pain. Like you walk daily in pain because of what people have done to you. And, and, and to tell you when you've been hurt so badly that you need to forgive others, to me, otherwise Christ won't forgive you, to me almost seems cruel. It almost seems abusive that, that he's asking you to forgive when you're living under this emotional pain. And some of you are living under it right now. Maybe for you, maybe what happened is a friend lied to you or a friend lied about you or, or maybe someone you loved or admired let you down and they weren't who they were pretending to be. Maybe someone broke a promise to you. Maybe someone took advantage of you and used you for their benefit. Maybe somebody abused you. And tragically in our world today and even in this room, if statistics are correct, there are people that have suffered physical, sexual, and emotional abuse in a very, very real way, and it's very, very huge and very, very emotional. And I don't want to belittle or, or, or dumb down any of that pain of what you have gone through. I want to acknowledge that this morning, that what you went through was horrendous and shouldn't happen to anybody. You should never, ever happen, ever have to go through some of the things that you've gone through. You should never have to experience that some things that have been done to you by people. And we come to years later or maybe even decades later and you still carry that pain like it happened yesterday and the scars are still there with you. And, and I want to acknowledge this morning, I'm not belittling your pain and I'm not belittling what was done to you. What was done to you sometimes was very unfair and very brutal and very disgusting and some of it was rehensible, what was done to you. And I acknowledge that pain this morning, but Jesus kind of says that we've got to forgive and so my question for me and for you when you think about some of the things that we've gone through is how do you forgive something that seems so unforgivable? How do you forgive something so brutally wrong from someone you trusted, maybe even respected? How do you live out what Jesus taught us to do? How do you forgive others when what has been done to you is so horrendous, so unforgivable? Abuse, sexual abuse to me is one of the, How can you forgive somebody who's done that to you? How? There's a clue in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus said this. He said, this is how you should pray. And he said, our Father. I think it's really interesting that he didn't teach them to pray, my Father. But he taught them to pray, our Father. In other words, God is not just my Heavenly Father. He's everybody's Heavenly Father. When we, all of us, whether people have done wrong or right to you, we all share that in common, that he is our father. He's our heavenly father. And because he is our father of every single person that has ever been born and created on the face of the planet, we are his children, all of us, the good, the bad, the ugly. We're all his children. And our relationship with our siblings under God, truly 
matters to him. Truly matters to him. To me as a dad, this kind of makes sense because I'm so glad my kids are grown up a little bit, but for those of you that have younger children and you have to go on a bit of a road trip more than about an hour and a half, you know that you prepare for this moment on the car ride, don't you? He's breathing on me. He touched me. Mommy touched me. Mum, he's pulling a face at me. Mum, she scratched my leg. I'm going to embarrass my daughter for a moment, but when she was little, when she was trailing in the car with her cousin in the car seat, she would put her leg on her cousin's car seat. She's got her foot on my car seat. You know what I'm talking about. And then, and then these stupid things come out of your mouth. You don't really believe this, but you say this. If you don't cut that out, I'm pulling this car over right now. You don't want to pull the car over. You want to get to your destination as fast as possible because crazy's happening in the backseat. Are you with me? He touched me. He hit me. There's nothing that does more damage to your heart as a parent than when your kids aren't getting along and fighting, yeah? When, 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 when something's happening and they're fighting and they're not getting along, you're like, hey guys, stop it, stop it, stop it. We're trying to stop this thing from happening because what brings a lot of joy to our lives as parents is when our kids are playing together and having fun together and they love one another. Don't you agree? And as our father... God, and when we pray, we're praying to our Father and our relationship with God's other children really matters to God. Matthew 5, 23 to 24, he shows this by saying, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go first and reconcile with them, then come and offer your gift. In other words, what Jesus is really saying is this, is if you're coming into a place to worship him, our heavenly dad, we're coming to this place to worship him. He's saying, whoa, whoa, don't worship me yet. Go and restore. My kids are fighting. I need them to reconcile first. In other words, God has put such an emphasis on this. He's saying that you sorting out a dispute between you and your fighting is more important than you worshipping me. Which blows my mind because we're created to worship him. And he's saying, before I receive your worship, a thing that's more important for me is that my kids stop fighting. Then once you've sorted that, then come and worship me. So we understand that God placed a big importance on forgiveness, yes? So who does unforgiveness hurt the most? I would suggest to you that Unforgiveness, first and foremost, hurts God. It actually hurts his heart when his children are not treating each other with love and honor and respect. In fact, he said this, he said, 
they will know that you're my followers because of your love for one another. But we understand that unforgiveness that we hold on to is hurting God, but who else does unforgiveness hurt? It hurts the person who's not forgiving. It poisons your soul when you hold on to unforgiveness. It actually hurts you because you know what? The person that hurt you is not lying awake at night thinking about you. You're lying awake at night thinking about them. You find yourself just seething in anger at somebody and they don't even know that you're thinking about them. And here's the thing, friend, if we live with bitterness and resentment and hatred, then we continue to let the wounds stay infected and they will never heal. They'll just poison our soul. An untreated wound will always end up becoming poisonous. You may be living in a prison of offense. People have offended you, hurt you. Someone hurts you a week ago, months ago, maybe years ago, maybe even decades ago. And you caught yourself in this prison of offense where you can't trust anyone, you, you don't open up to anyone, you've got to look after yourself, guard yourself. And there are those of us here today, we're, we're actually living in a prison of offense and your only way to get out of the prison of offense is forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door. And it's really easy for me to say all of that, but what do I do if I'm overwhelmed with hurt and anger and resentment? What, what do I, 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 like, I get it, Craig, that I've got to forgive someone, that God says that, that he won't forgive me if I don't forgive them. I, I get that it hurts me if I hold on to unforgiveness, but, but when you, if you understood what they had done to me, and I'm not belittling that in any way, but the hurt that people have done to you is so huge, how do I get over that? How do I move beyond that? Like, forget me forgiving them, I'm still hurting. How do I get over that? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew 43 to 44. He says, you have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How many people are so glad you came to church this morning? You see, we have to understand that when Jesus said this, Jesus was in a culture in Israel, in a culture where it was eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. If you killed one of my family members, I'd kill one of yours. It, 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 was, it was what you do to me, I'll do to you kind of culture. And Jesus comes in, remember, under grace, and comes in and says, you've heard it said, love your friends and hate your enemies, but I'm telling you, there's a new standard in town, and that is love your enemies and pray for them. I mean, there's a scripture that says this, that, that when we start to pray and bless our enemies, it's like hot coals going into their lap. And, and, and I know with some of my enemies and some of the people that have hurt me, my, my motivation was getting hot coals in their laps. How many people know what I'm talking about? But that's not what he's meaning here. He's not meaning pray for them so that God would do things to them. I've just read Psalms. A whole book of Psalms and David's and they're going, you've seen what they've done to me, kill them, destroy them, mutilate them, whatever, you know. I understand that, that that's what, you know, I understand what's going on, but Jesus is speaking into this culture where it's an eye for an eye and Jesus is speaking directly into it and he's saying, love your enemies. 
and pray for those who persecute you. What do you do when you're angry and bitter with somebody? Well, you start by praying for the person who offended you. Jesus says the way to recover is to pray for those that have hurt you. And you can start praying for the one that let you down. You can start praying for the one who abused you. And I'm I'm not putting this down to be easy because when I start praying for people that have hurt me, I'm usually praying for God to do things to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't you go quiet on me this morning. You do the same thing. It's really hard when somebody hurts you, goes for a bad moment, not to give a little fist pump in the air, yes? Come on, we're just being real this morning. But what I've learned is that I need to pray not so much that God does things to them, but that God does things in them. Because if hurt people hurt people, then the person that hurt me is just hurt. And they need God to move, and they need God to heal, and they need God to restore them, and they need God to do something on the inside of them. And what I've learned that is as I start to pray for people, even though the prayers that start are not, God, heal them, but God, smash them. I've learned that as I continue to pray for them, my heart starts to soften and grace starts to go towards them and I start to feel for them because I start to think, I start to pray prayers that are like, God, what has happened to them? What happened in their world? What happened in their upbringing? What happened in their life that they would be that way? God, whatever happened to them, God, I pray that you would heal them, that you would restore them. If it's a broken, and all of a sudden it starts to change. Why? Because the prayer actually doesn't change the person that hurt you. Prayer changes you. It changes you. You see, well, I don't feel like praying. Friend, I know exactly what you're saying, and if I waited until I felt like praying for those that have hurt me, I'd still be waiting. But I understand this, that I don't want to be in prison. I don't want to live in my hurt. And as hard as it is to pray for those that have hurt me, Jesus says, this is the way out. And so I have to follow the path that he places in front of me And at one point, I realized that I need to pray for those that hurt me. I need to pray for enemies. I need to pray for those that curse me. And and so my prayers, when I started to pray like that, started to change me. I started praying, do something in them, God. And over time, my heart softened towards them. God helped me find forgiveness for them and helped me find a new life in Him. My prayers, my heart started to change, as I said. You see, your prayer for those who hurt you may or may not change them, but it will always change you. And so what is prayer? Prayer is the God-honoring place to start. It's a, it's a place to start. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it's a place to start. It, it starts getting momentum into your world. And when God works on your heart, there'll be a time There'll be a time. It may not happen overnight, but it will happen. It may not happen next week, but it will happen. That as you continue to follow what he says for you to do, at some point you'll recognize that as I have been forgiven, God, I pray that you'd help me forgive them. 
As I have been forgiven, I choose to forgive them. It's an interesting thing that the word forgive in the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, the word forgive means to hurl away from, to cast out of your life. It's not pretending that it didn't happen. It's not explaining it away and putting it under the, sweeping it under the carpet and pretending it didn't happen, but it's, it's this picture of hurling that hurt, hurling that unforgiveness, hurling that bitterness away from you so that it doesn't poison you anymore, to remove it as far from you as you can get it from you, to hurl it away, to rid yourself of it, to let, your, to let it go, to get it out of your world. And how do we do this? Well, Colossians says in 3.13, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, listen, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In other words, Hurl away from you like the Lord hurled away from you. If you have a fence in your life, you don't want to put it in your back pocket for the next time you meet with them, but you want to hurl it away from you. If there's a hurt in your life that you just can't get off, the Bible says hurl it. Sorry if that hits anybody. Um, hurl it away from you. If it's bitterness, hurl it away from you. Whatever you do, don't keep it close because this is the problem that I had is that I would forgive them, but then I'd put their sins in my back pocket. So the next time I interacted with them, I had that there, because I, I that's what they did to me. And so it changes my interaction with the person. But it says here, forgive them. If I was hurl it away from you, as Christ has forgiven you, what did Jesus do? Jesus said, I remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. In fact, I hurl them into the sea of forgetfulness and I remember them no more. And he's saying the same way that I forgave you so that I wasn't poisoned towards you. And when you read the Old Testament and you see time and time again, they do evil in his sight and they don't do it. And time and time again, he forgives them when they repent and he hurls their sin away from them and restores them back to the very place that they were and beyond before they sin. And God is saying, you got to hurl it away from you. Just like I hurled it away from me. Because he understands if he held on to it, he'd treat you differently. He wouldn't love you the way that he loves you. Because he wouldn't be able to help but remember there's unforgiveness here. There's bitterness. They did this to me. They did that to me. And he's saying, for your sake, not for their sake, for your sake, hurl it, get it out. Get as far flung from you as you can possibly get. Because you don't want to poison your soul with that stuff. And you'll hear this morning like, yeah, 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 but, but what, about, what about trusting them? Trust is completely different to forgiveness. Forgiveness is given, trust is earned. If you do something to one of my kids, I will forgive you, but I may not trust you again with them. You'd have to earn that trust back. But I'm certainly not going to interact with you holding on to that. This is why marriages fall apart. Because we say things like, I forgive you, but no, you don't. You go, just put that in my back pocket. And the next time you do something similar to that, I'll pull it out and remind you. Come on. 
I forgive you, son or daughter. Next time they do something, we pull it out of our back pocket and we remind them, no, 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 no. Hurl it away. If you keep it close, it will poison your soul. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How do you do it, though, when you're so hurt? How do you do it when you've been so betrayed? How do you do it when you feel like every bit of trust has been ripped out of your heart? Jesus said you forgive as the Lord forgave you. In the same way, our God has forgiven us of what we did not deserve. In the same way that he's forgiven us for something that we could not earn. In the same way that he has forgiven us, we must forgive those who hurt us. Andy Stanley says this, he says, In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But I love this. In the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Let me read that again because I think it's so powerful. In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, in the shadow of what he has done for us, our Father, in the shadow of that, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. We didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, and we give it as we have received it. My question for you and I today is how many relationships could be healed if fathers and sons would embrace one another and say, I forgive you. What if mothers and daughters would hurl it away and let the words in the past be gone and embrace and forgive in the same way that Jesus has forgiven us? What if somehow in the same way that you and I have been forgiven, we could find the same grace to forgive someone else? How many people could we set free by forgiving? You see, Jesus in forgiving me was not overbearing. Jesus in forgiving me was not harsh. Jesus in forgiving you and me was not lacking empathy. When he loved us and he forgave us, he was doing it to help to heal us. There was a space between him and us called sin. And so he died on the cross and healed the space between us so that we could be forgiven. He did it so that we could be healed. He didn't do it because he had nothing better to do on a Friday night. He did it so that you and I could be healed. We forgive so that you and I can be healed, but so that others can be healed. We do it because Christ did it for us. And in the same way, he hurled away from him all of my sin and my failings. So I need to hurl what people have done to me away from me so that we might engage in relationship. And who knows, that person might be freed and find Christ because of your forgiveness, just like you found Christ because of his forgiveness. I know it's not easy. But if it was easy, then it wouldn't be worth doing. 
You see, holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It just makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. Forgiving sets you free. And Jesus didn't say, I will forgive you, but you don't have to forgive other people. He didn't say you can treat people however you want and we're okay. He said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, then your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, forgiveness, as the band comes, forgiveness empowers you to set the prisoner free. And hopefully by now you have realized that you're the prisoner. Forgiveness has the ability to set the prisoner free. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? I want to pray for you this morning before we go any further. Father, today I, I, I pray, Lord, in this place, for miracles that go beyond our human ability to understand. We acknowledge right now that that I'm speaking into, and in many cases, immense and unbearable pain, unjustified abuse, horrendous abuse. But God, I ask that your grace that you've given us would overwhelm and help to overcome all the injustices that we've experienced on this earth. God, I pray for a miraculous healing and restoration in relationships that seem unrepairable, that you would do what only you can do, that you would heal wounds this morning, God, that you would heal hearts this morning, God, people that have been wounded years and years and years ago, and some of them by the people most closest to them, God, that they would set themselves free this morning by going, you know what, God, I, I don't feel like praying for them, but I'm going to start to. I don't, I don't feel like forgiving them, but I realize this is not for their benefit, but it's for mine. God, help me to hurl away from me the poison that I've been carrying for so long. Help me to hurl away the offense. Help me to hurl away the abuse. Help me to hurl away the hurt. Help me to hurl away the bitterness that has started to get on inside of me because, God, I want to be free. I want to be free today and while every eye is closed. I want to ask you today, with nobody looking around, if you're holding a grudge or if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, if there's bitterness still there and you're like, Craig, would you pray that God would help me to hurl that away from me? That, that God would help me to hurl it far, far away. I don't want to live this poisoned life in me. Would, would God help me to let it go? If you find yourself here today and you're like, man, I got some stuff that, that I want to hurl away. I got some stuff that I want to let go today. I don't, want to, I don't want to be a prisoner to this stuff anymore. Friend, I want to tell you this morning that God is here. The way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness is in this place today. He's in your world today. He's in this building today and he's here to heal. He's here to set the prisoner free. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. He doesn't want you to spend the next decade of your life 
carrying around the things that have wounded you so much. He's like, man, if you would, if you would forgive them as I've forgiven you, then I'll be able to forgive you of all the stuff that you, and we'll be able to set you free. And who knows, you might set them free. But if you're here this morning, man, I want to do this. I want to hurl it away. Help me in 2020 to hurl away the things of 2019 or 18 or 17 or maybe 1984, whatever it might be. And you hear this morning, man, could you pray? Could you pray for me that I'll be able to hurl that stuff away from me? That I'll be able to pray for my enemies, that I'll be able to figure, I don't want to carry this around any longer. It's affecting my relationships, it's affecting my life, it's affecting my health. I realize now that I need to do this for me. It's not about them, this is doing it for me. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, Craig, could you help? Could you pray that God would help me? Well, nobody's looking around because I don't want anyone embarrassed. Why don't you just lift your hand right now and I'll pray for you. Lift your hand.